You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Happy Thursday, everybody. It's a surprise. Solo Spain, Spain and Fitz tonight. ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Jason Fitz got sucked up into the mess that is air travel these days. He is not going to be landing anytime soon. So you got Solo Spain tonight. Getting you ready for Thursday night football. Going to have a lot of guests tonight. Going to make it a Solo Spain party full of friends. Mina Kimes, Jordan Renan, Jerry Brewer, Lisa Byington, tag team. That's right. Going to join me tonight on the Goodyear Hotline. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I also need you to hang out with me, of course. Nobody likes a party for one. So be a part of the Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. College football is back, and so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. So keep an eye out at Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain. Going to be asking you guys to chime in on some stuff tonight, including stuff regarding tonight's Thursday night football matchup. We've been spending a lot of time, once we stopped debating the surprises, good and bad, of week one, the teams that really laid an egg versus the ones that sort of surprised us, we moved on to the most pressure, who has the most pressure to succeed in week two. And I would argue that the Giants and the Washington football team are not atop my list. Expectations are fairly low for the Giants, but individual members of that team certainly need a W. Washington football team is in a division that people aren't certain about yet. There's expectations that the NFC East will be disappointing, but there are plenty saying after week one, it may be better than you think. And they, of course, have the Cowboys to deal with now that Dak is healthy and they put up such a good showing against the Bucs. So the Washington football team, there are some expectations, certainly not atop my list, but there are parts of that team that also desperately need a W. And there's a lot of drama because of missing pieces and personnel on both sides of the ball. It's Spain and Fitz, solo Spain tonight. Thursday night football coming up at 8.20 Eastern. We're going to get you ready with some thoughts from the people who know these teams best. And Bill Parcells uh, was on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max today, Pro Football Hall of Famer, former coach Keyshawn, and broke down some of it, including what I just mentioned, all of the various pressures that are now on what looks to be a pretty underwhelming Giants team. I think the Giants, uh, I think they're okay at the wide receiver position, but they're inside receivers. You know, they drafted this Tony, number one. Uh, he's supposed to be their slot. The tight end isn't playing. They've got to get something that's a little easier for Daniel Jones uh, on the inside. And unless they get that, it's, it's going to be problematic because you have to have a few things where the ball can get out quickly, and those inside receivers are usually part of the keys to that. Yeah, that Giants offensive line has been a problem for a very long time, and now you have Saquon Barkley, who is a constant question, back-to-back games, a quick turnaround with this Thursday night football. He's on a pitch count. How much are you going to get to use him? How much can you use him to really establish the run and make sure that the defense has to respect what you want to do? Offensive line has to block people, right, to make that happen. So there's a lot of pressure on this offense. And on Daniel Jones, who spent most of last season running for his life without the weapons that were expected, and now that they're kind of back, but again, a pitch count for Saquon, we're not sure how good he can be. You've still got that offensive line creating problems for them. And Bill Parcells, again, the Hall of Famer on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max this morning, 
kind of asking, how judgmental can you be of a guy in this situation? You have to have a situation that allows your quarterback to succeed before you can really be judgmental on him. I mean, if it's just one-sided and you rely totally on the passing game, I think it's very difficult. It is very difficult. I don't think that Saquon is going to be able to go off for some huge amount. Last I heard, he was still saying, I'll know as soon as I take the field whether I'm really ready to go. Not exactly a sign of great confidence. Maybe he's playing games. Maybe he doesn't want them to have time to prep, but uh, seemed a little questionable to me. Meanwhile, while a lot of people have faith in the Washington football team, even with Heineke in as Fitzpatrick nurses an injury, Bart Scott was on Greeny today of Barton Hahn and said he thinks the Giants are going to win this game. I just believe in Saquon Barkley. I believe that they're building this team the right way. And I just can't see like Danny Dimes losing to a dude named after a beverage. You know what I mean? Like, if you lose to a dude that's a backup and you so, you're the sixth overall pick, you're writing your, your, your own obituary because there's no way that you can stay with them. And I don't want the Giants to be in the same um, boat that the Jets were last year, giving up on Sam Darnold after year three. But if the, 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 the reality is, if they lose and they go over again and this isn't a great season, they have two first-round draft picks. They are going to have no choice but to hit the reset button and start all over and get a new franchise quarterback. I got no problems with Bart Scott, but that didn't sound like analysis. That sounded like wishful thinking. That sounded like, let me get this joke off about Heineke sounding like Heineken. And then let me say it would be awful and embarrassing and terrible for the Giants to fail again, start over again. I didn't hear a lot of why they're actually going to win. And I don't think it's about Danny Dimes losing to Heineken. Because even though we haven't seen a ton from Heineke, he was pretty darn impressive in that loss to eventual Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay last year. A touchdown, an interception, 46 rush yards, a rushing TD, 306 passing yards. That was pinch hitting for Fitzpatrick. Uh, and that was, you know, a guy that we didn't know what to expect from. He was finishing his college degree when he came in on that one. I don't know about that, Bart. I, I think this could be an ugly night for Daniel Jones and company. Let's talk about the Giants and who has the most pressure to make sure tonight doesn't go the wrong way. By the way, Spain and Fitz, solo Spain with you tonight on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Damian Woody was on, Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, our ESPN NFL analyst. He was saying the hot seat gets hotter for this man if the Giants lose tonight. It's going to be Jason Garrett. I think Jason Garrett is going to be the one guy, if the Giants go 0-2, I think that uh, I think the block is going to get real hot with Jason Garrett, uh, particularly if that offense, you know, looks like the way it looked last week. Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. I think there's a lot of eyes on Jason Garrett. I think there's been a lot of questions around that offense. I also wonder if it's very similar to Daniel Jones in the sense of how much criticism can you have for a guy who keeps having to work with a short deck of cards. Uh, and, and that's been the case for Garrett a lot. Um, needing to know, by the way, Saquon Barkley, while I've been talking on the radio, uh, it has been announced that he is officially in for sure tonight, but how much can he do? And that's been the question for a lot of Jason Garrett's weapons. So I don't know if I'm on board with that. Let's see who Dan Orlovsky thinks might have a lot of pressure tonight. He said this on first take about the Giants QB. If you flip the situation... If mm-hmm. I took Taylor Heineke and put him with the New York Giants, and mm-hmm. then I took Daniel Jones and put him with some of skill position in Washington, I truly believe that we see a different version of J- Daniel Jones. I don't ever think Daniel Jones is going to be a great player. 
I don't think he has the physical ability to go be a great player in right. today's NFL at the quarterback spot. But mm-hmm. I think Tyler, Taylor Heineke, for the solid player that he is, is much more limited than a Daniel Jones is. Daniel well, Jones well, is just in the worst situation in on. the NFL when Let it comes to quarterback Let me say this to you. Play. Oh, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna take a minute. I might ask y'all that too on at Spain and Fitz at Sarah Spain. I might ask you that too. Do you think that Daniel Jones is in the worst quarterback position in the NFL? I think maybe there might be some argument for the Jaguars, Trevor Lawrence. There's a couple other spots that I think are probably not a good position to be in at the quarterback, but I'll ask y'all that as well. I, I want your take on that. And I don't know if I think that Daniel Jones would thrive in Washington right now, but I do think he's in a tough spot. It's really hard to judge whether the, whether the Giants whiffed on this call or if he just hasn't been able to shine for good reason. Finally, Jeff Darlington was on Barton Hahn today. ESPN NFL analyst said, yep, that's not it. It's neither of those two guys. Here's the one with the most pressure. Remember when Daniel Jones got drafted and everybody's like, okay, well, there you go. If, if Daniel Jones is not the answer, Gettleman needs to be fired. So here we are. Mm-hmm. We're about to find out. So to me, Gettleman is on the hottest seat of any GM in the league. I would agree with that. Gettleman's done a lot of, we're building. And we haven't seen anything built yet. Got a lot of foundations. We don't have a lot of first floors or second floors. And Dave Gettleman could be in serious trouble. And the Giants will have a problem if he's fired. The new GM will inherit a coach. And who knows whether he wants the same coach, who knows whether he wants the same position, and they're starting again, again. Something to keep in mind. It's Spain and Fitz, Solo Spain tonight on ESPN Radio. Coming up, why do people keep making these bets? I'll explain next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. Thursday night football on the docket. We're going to talk about that. But I want to talk Guns N' Roses because they are at Wrigley Field tonight. By the way, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who save with Progressive save over $700 on average. Guns N' Roses at Wrigley Field tonight. Now, a couple years ago, I saw them at Soldier Field. So it was the later years, let's say kindly of a group that peaked in the late 80s, mid-90s, kind of. I'm an appetite for destruction, use your illusion, one and two person. I honestly celebrate their entire catalog, although when I went back to celebrate said catalog a couple years ago, I was reminded of a lot of lyrics that I did not remember when I was in my teens. Just went right over my head. Uh, Just wasn't paying that close attention. Thankfully, Axel has gone back and censored out a lot of his own stuff and really said, none of this is who I am or who we are. This is who we are now. A very uh, outspoken political person on, on social media. Not maybe what you expected from the Axel who was running from the law in the mid-90s when my sister had tickets to leave our suburb and go downtown to Chicago to see them and the show got canceled because he was literally on the lam and couldn't be at the appearance of the show because the, the police knew where to find him. Uh, Guns and Roses peak. I would imagine was one of the sickest concert experiences, but I never got to see it. I only got to see the, let's say, girthier, more winded, little, little slower version of the group a couple of years ago. Still good. In fact, I am very jealous of everyone going to Wrigley Field to check it out tonight. But I wanted to ask you, in light of Guns N' Roses playing now as they are, what Band or musician, do you wish you'd seen at their very peak of all the bands and musicians you could have seen when they were the best they've ever been? 
Because for me, a couple of mine are ones that I've gotten to see later. It's Guns N' Roses. It's Pink Floyd, where I've seen Roger Waters twice by himself and David Gilmour by himself. And they have substitutes to cover the other half. But I want to see Pink Floyd when it was Pink Floyd. And probably do all the things that everyone was doing back when Pink Floyd was Pink Floyd. Be a part of the scene, if you know what I'm saying, for that. So let me know, at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz. Hit us up on the Spain and Fitz Nation. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Let us know what band or musician you most wish you'd seen at their very peak. Because Guns N' Roses is up there for me, for sure. We're going to get back to Thursday Night Football and what's going on tonight. But I have to address a scourge in the industry. We've talked about this on Spain and Fitz before. I don't really know what comes over people when they're live on the radio or television and decide to gamble with themselves. It's like that meme you always see. No one. Absolutely no one. And then in chimes a gas bagging radio host or TV personality to say, if X or Y happens, I'm doing X or Y. Nobody asked you to do that. You remember it happening right here on this show with our very own Jason Fitz putting his nipples on the line. Here's what it sounded like. On this day, 9-7-21, 8-19pm Eastern, Fitz on Tony Gonzalez saying the Bucs could be undefeated. You if were the Bucs go that, undefeated and win the Super Bowl, I will get both of my nipples pinched on national TV. Pierce. Here comes the pain! Ah! Why do yeah, radio people insist on saying stuff like, I'll eat a bird or a horse poop or whatever? <laughs> it's the you dumbest thing you can no do one. in radio. And I, no I walked was, into stupidity. No There's a wall of invisible you. stupid and I hit it. Are you stupid or something? This is Spain and Fitz. Yeah. That's my co-host right there. No one was asking you to put your nipples on the line, and you did it anyway. Well, today, our beloved Bart Scott dipped a toe, or I guess I should say a couple eyebrows in those waters, because he got real heated talking about the Eagles and the Niners and the 500% increase in jersey sales for Jalen Hurts, all of Philly jumping on board the Hurts train. He thinks that's going to Hurts later. Sorry about that pun. And it's going to hurt if the Eagles lose because he put his eyebrows on the line. Everybody's in love with Jalen Hurts this week. Everybody went out and bought jerseys. Jersey sales up 500%. But I tell you what I bet you the Philadelphia fans didn't do. They didn't pop that tag off. They tucked it in. Because <laughs> this week they're going to be returning all those jerseys because they got the San Francisco 49ers that look elite. So listen, don't worry about it. Same thing make laugh, make you cry. I bet you. Okay. That if the if the if the 49ers lose to the Philadelphia Eagles, mm-hmm. I'll shave my eyebrow up. What say you? Unnecessary. Nobody was betting you. Nobody asked you to put your eyebrows on the line. And here we are. Listen, I think the Niners are gonna win that game. Even though they almost blew it against Detroit. Jimmy G threw for 314 yards and a touchdown. The run game had 131 yards and two scores. Got to see a little Trey Lance, Shimmy Shaken doing his thing. I think they're going to win, even though the Eagles claim the only NFC East victory dominating the Falcons. But again, it was the Falcons. So I think you're good, but you never know. And I'm a little worried about your brows. We saw some upsets in week one. This might be another. Stephen A. Smith, in the meantime, is talking about Jalen Hurts as well. Anyone asking if he's being disrespected because people need to see more from him. Stephen A.'s got some numbers to say this is what we need to do for a quarterback that just hasn't done much yet. If I said to you in four starts, mm-hmm. 
You completed 52% of your passes. Mm-hmm. You threw six touchdowns, four interceptions, and your record was one and three. Mm-hmm. I understand that there's more to it than that. But it's not beyond the realms of, of, of comprehension that somebody would look at him and say, okay, show me. That's not hating. Stop that. But she, she didn't say hating. She said disrespect. That's not disrespectful. Yeah. It, it It's not disrespectful. We need to see more. And that's to take nothing away from the excellent performance that we saw. Jalen Hurts, 264 yards, three touchdowns through the air. The Eagles had a league best 173 rushing yards, so they've got a nice balanced attack there. They were good on defense. The Falcons had a great passing game, fifth in yards last year, and they bottled it up. They were underdogs a week ago, bottom of the division. No one believes in them. And they went out and got a 32-6 to win. But we need to see more from Jalen Hurts. I am rooting for the guy. I have been a fan of his since I saw the way he handled that quarterback situation at Bama after losing the job to Tua. He decided to stick around. He handled himself better than anybody could in that situation, and he ended up getting his opportunity and making the most of it. It's kind of a weird, similar situation, right? To the Eagles with Wentz, and what are they going to do, and who are they going to go with, and he's your guy. There's been a little trepidation to say with definitive statements out loud and proud from Nick Sirianni and everyone else in Philly, he's our guy. After week one, like I said, that 500% in jersey sales certainly was part of it. But I need to see more. That was the Falcons. The Falcons are are known for disastrous losses. And we don't really know after week one which teams in the NFL are a good win or a moral victory and a loss. We really don't know that yet. It's too early. We're going off expectations from the offseason. Maybe the Falcons will end up being better, and that win will look even better to us. I doubt it. I think what we're going to need to see is a really good performance from the Eagles against a Niners team that I expect a lot from this year to have more belief in Jalen Hurts. Mina Kimes, friend of the show, going to join us next here on Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain flying solo tonight on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Led Zeppelin, the answer for a number of you, the question I posted at Sarah Spain, what band would you like to have seen in their prime at their very peak, this in honor of Guns N' Roses over at Wrigley Field tonight? Lots of people chiming in on Spain and Fitz Nation at Bananas 9 hit me up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed and said, I would have loved to have seen CCR, Credence Clearwater Revival. Saw John Fogarty fairly recently. He was great, but to see the whole band in their heyday would have been something. You guys are coming through with a lot of good ones. We'll ask the next guest if she's got one. It's Mina Kimes. She's brought to you by Goodyear, with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear, more driven. Mina Kimes, I have seen uh, Guns N' Roses only in the last couple years, never at their peak. They always make me think, God, it Wish I could have gone in the 80s and 90s. Is there a band for you that you wish you'd seen at their very peak? Um, You know, I'm a big Velvet Underground fan. Uh, I would say, yeah, that would be my answer. That's a pretty good one. Haven't gotten that one yet, but I've gotten a whole bunch of different answers. So lots of people saying a lot of the old rockers, Zeppelin and Jimi Hendrix and, and folks like that. All right, Mina, I've been talking about this Thursday night football game. There's a lot of questions about where the pressure lies on this Giants staff. Is it Jason Garrett? Is it David Gettleman? Is it, you know, Saquon because he's on a pitch count? Is it Daniel Jones? 
who's really at most risk here? Because those dominoes are going to fall at probably different times. Uh, can I say D all of the above? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah well, sure. I mean, shoot, it, it certainly is an illustration of how interwoven all of this is. The quarterback struggles without a good offensive line. The offensive line is hurt by the quarterback holding on with football, and uh, the skill players don't get the football, and the front office invested in the skill players, and the coach can certainly make life easy for everyone. I think in this particular matchup tonight, the spotlight is really going to be on Jones. You know, Sarah, the offensive line actually didn't play that poorly in week one, despite playing a very good Denver front. But, uh, you know, this Washington defensive line is, I don't want to say incomparable because Pittsburgh is up there with them, but there's certainly a tall task for any line, much less one that has had issues like New York. So, it's really I, I wouldn't be surprised if New York comes out with a run heavy game script, a lot of quick passes, and for Jones, the, the I guess challenge remains the thing that it's always been, which is not turning over the football. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's what forty something turnovers in twenty something games. So uh, it's it's really? not been pretty for Daniel Jones, but he hasn't had a bunch of his weapons in a really good situation. Dan Rolovsky said today he thinks that uh, Daniel Jones is in the worst situation of any quarterback in football. My money might be on Trevor Lawrence. That's a really bad team with a first-year coach that already seems to be losing the belief of the staff and an offensive line that's trash. Uh, where Where do you lie on the quarterback that's in the worst situation? You know, the, the situations there are actually pretty similar because both Trevor and Daniel have good skill players, actually. Um, the problem is protection, and I, I think you're right about coaching. And I think Jacksonville probably is worse because of the coaching and also the fact that, you know, Trevor's a rookie. Jones has been in the league right. now. This is his third season. And Sarah, like, yes – his play is made worse by the offensive line and it certainly creates a lot of issues, but the decision-making isn't always because of the offensive line. Sometimes it's him turning the ball over out of a clean pocket um, and locking onto his reads and fumbling inexplicably. So I I would say he definitely owns some of it. Mina Kimes is with me here. Solo Spain, Spain and Fitz on ESPN radio. She joins me on the Goodyear hotline. Mina, you mentioned that Washington football team. That was one of the more disappointing parts of their week one was that the defense just didn't look as excellent as I think many of us expected. Do you expect a different defensive look tonight in terms of performance? I do, and I think that was as much a referendum on the Chargers being as good as they are in week one. I really think they're a dark horse uh, contender um, as it is on Washington. You know, it's definitely a case where the front is a little bit better than the secondary, although those safeties are quite good. And I think it's a front that's def- that should be able to eat tonight. Spain and Fitz, solo Spain, talking to Mina Kimes. You can hear her, the Mina Kimes podcast with Lenny. You can see her on NFL Live, Around the Horn, pretty much everywhere, actually. I'm surprised that there isn't just a separate channel for you during the Monday Night Football yet. I would love to see you in with the Mannings. That would be a good time for sure. Um, Mina, as we look ahead to this week, two, a lot of people talking about the Mahomes versus, you know, Lamar Jackson battle. We love to do that where we act like the quarterbacks are going to like fist fight or arm wrestle instead of the teams actually playing. (laughs) Um, But what do you make of that matchup? To me, it feels like there isn't a team in this league that I would favor over the Chiefs in a regular season matchup, especially in September. Yeah, the Bucs might be close, but the Ravens really aren't in the state that they're in. This is a matchup that to me, Sarah, looked a lot 
sexy or before the season, right. maybe even before, you know, August when the Ravens started suffering from all these injuries and they're going into this game, you know, down not only Marcus Peters on the defensive side, but um, the running back room has been cleared out. Rashad Bateman, their first round draft pick, a wide receiver isn't playing Nick Boyle, their blocking tight end. And now we're hearing Ronnie Stanley's their left talk tackle um, might not play in Alejandro Villanueva, who we just saw struggling against Las Vegas, might play on the left side. It, it's just about as adverse a situation as you could get for Lamar Jackson. So to position this as quarterback versus quarterback, it's not really fair because football is always a team game, but I think in this game, this particular matchup more than most, uh, both quarterbacks are going to be really impacted by the players around them. We're also spending a lot of time talking about just what we expect from the Eagles. A lot of people had them as the basement dwellers of that division, and then they come out and throttle the Falcons in week one. But it's the Falcons. The Niners are a great team. Is it a massive downgrade for Jalen Hurts, who suddenly is the guy, and that Eagles team, if they suffer a pretty big defeat to the Niners? Or are you looking for between the lines, a little more gray, less black and white, for what you see from the Eagles in a tough matchup like that? Well, I'll tell you what I'm looking for. So in the first game, which, of course, was very exciting for Eagles fans, um, yes, the Falcons are bad, particularly, I would say, the offensive line and the defensive line, which happens to be where the Eagles are strong, in the trenches. And that's what I want to see in this game against San Francisco. Can they continue to look dominant um, with their offensive and defensive lines? Because what head coach Nick Sirianni's done is built an offense around Jalen Hurts that takes advantage of his skill sets, but also the run blocking and the run game in particular. And I think San Francisco presents a good test for that with their obviously very good uh, front seven. And, uh, you know, if he looks anywhere close to how he looks or how the offense rather looks in week one, as an Eagles fan, I'd be very excited even yeah. if they lose because you get, you play in the NFC. Yeah. And as a, as a person that roots for a team that is constantly trying to figure out if we have a quarterback, <sighs> if they have a good outing and they feel like that's their guy, that's enough for a team whose expectations really aren't that high this year. And the Eagles, maybe they'll surprise and at least they'll know, hey, Jalen Hurts is the guy. It's worth all of us going out and getting his jerseys, both number one and number two, depending on when they time that trip to the store. Uh, Mina Kimes is with me here. Solo Spain, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. I'm putting you on the spot here, but I, I have faith in you because you're always, uh, you know, you're, you got that Yale background. You're always studied up and ready to go. Is there something about the week two matchups that you wish people would ask you about? You've got a great statistic or a really yeah. smart thought about someone and no one will ask you to share this incredible knowledge that you have. Oh, gosh. Um, trying to think of the matchups in particular. I, you know, I think Cowboys Chargers is really exciting. And this isn't a statistic, Sarah, but um, I just watched the Washington Chargers game that I just referenced. And I was just so excited by what I saw from the Chargers, in particular the Chargers defense. We talk a lot about Justin Herbert, but I'm really excited to watch the Dallas offense, you know, which is down a few pieces. Lyle Collins isn't going to be playing. Michael Gallup is out, but it's still a very good unit against this Chargers defense because I think that's a group that we're going to be talking about a lot as the season goes on. Joey Bosa and Derwin James are two of the best players in the NFL. There are names we don't talk about enough because, well, they play for the Chargers, which is a team we don't talk <laughs> about very much. But they are superstars, and I think they're both incredibly versatile. Um, they both belong in the conversations for best players at their position, so I'm excited to see them go up against Dallas. 
And that's an interesting one because according to Vegas and predictions, that's, I think, at last I checked, one of the games that really has a lot of split decisions. People are not sure, you know, people, you know, the airbag, gas bagging people like us, they're really not sure where to go on that match. And I think a lot of that, of course, comes from how good the Cowboys looked in week one and the questions about are the Chargers really good now or just better? Uh, Give us a statistic on how many pairs of jeans Justin Herbert owns. Sarah, it is zero. Wow. Yeah, wow. I know. I really set you up right? to hit that one out of the park. <laughs> hey, Mina, thanks so much for the time. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Who owns zero pairs of jeans? Denim is incredible. It's really, it's so versatile. I don't mean, even post-COVID when we all went to what we call, I think, soft pants instead of hard pants, I still think you're going to need the jeans. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance, small business protection for more than vehicles with insurance expertise to keep your company moving forward. More at ProgressiveCommercial.com. We're going to get more of the bands you wish you'd seen at their peak. Also, your feedback on which quarterback's in the worst position in the NFL this season. But Jordan Renan going to join us talk Thursday Night Football next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz, Solo Spain, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. It's time for some straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. ESPN Giants reporter Jordan Ron is joining us now. Jordan, you got a band or musician you wish you'd seen at his peak or her peak? Wow, you're talking to like one of the most one-dimensional people you've probably ever <laughs> met in your life. I mean, nothing's coming to my head. As you were talking there, I'm like, oh, what can I contribute to this? And I'm thinking to myself, wow. oh, probably, no- probably nothing. Like, probably nothing. And, Jeez, and then Louise. here you come. You give me the question. Get a hold of your so, life, Jordan. Sorry. There's let, things outside you football. You, you really did. Yeah. Think about it over the course of the interview. <laughs> if a single band or musician that you've ever enjoyed ever comes to mind, you chime in and let me know. Let's start with something okay, um, okay. easier for you. I, I would uh, say the Doors. Okay, that, that, that would be the my doors. thing. I mean, I, okay, I, like, that would be I a did good like one. the Doors growing up. You know, I was a pothead and I, you know, liked the Doors and... <laughs> There you I, you know, go. I would love I would love to sit down and, and be at a, a Doors concert back in the day for sure. That would be a there good we go. one. We got a couple people saying Morrison and the Doors. That was good. I appreciate that. Um, trying to keep track of the Giants' list of inactives right now is kind of like trying to remember how many A's are in your last name, which gets yeah. me every time. What's the story for too tonight's many, Thursday Night Football? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we got most Giants playing. The question is, how much are you going to see of Saquon Barkley? You know, can, is Kenny Galladay finally back to? you know, getting back to what they signed him to be. Remember, he missed like a month this summer. Kadarius Tony's playing, uh, but he was on the field for two snaps offensively in the opener until like, you know, the final drive of the game. So these guys are all playing. The question is, how much can they give him now? And, uh, you know, Evan Ingram's the one that they don't have. But how much can these guys give them? Considering, all right, they were injured. They're not, they weren't 100% really in the opener yet of, of their former, of, you know, their best self. And now you're playing a second game in four days. You had three days off, and you're wondering, okay, how do their bodies react? And I don't think there's, like, a definitive answer to that. Like, Saquon, we asked him, he said, you know, when are you going to know that your body's ready? He said, Thursday, when right. I'm on the field. When I'm on the field. Vote of confidence. Uh, good to hear. But at yeah. least we know he is playing tonight. Uh, Jordan Renani, ESPN Giants reporter, is with me here on Spain and Fitz. You know, there's always been a, a question of how much any of those offensive weapons can give, and there's always question marks on the offensive line. So are any of the oh, hot yeah. takes around Daniel Jones really fair yet? Have we seen him ever be able to play with a close-to-optimum situation, enough to know what they've got? Yeah, well, Sarah, I am like the guy that's sitting there at this point, I think, 
you know, uh, like r- driving the Daniel Jones bandwagon, thinking he could be <laughs> really? a quality NFL okay. starter. And I'm like the lonely kid sitting there by himself <laughs> with, with nobody around me and nobody wants to come near me. Like, I need to find a good gift of, like, somebody standing by themselves or, like, when the army oh, is, like, running, running at you. And I know there's plenty. I got yeah, to yeah. go search it. I've been, I've been saying this all day. Like, that's me. Like, I really do. I mean, I wrote a story about how the Giants are really bullish on them. The reason I wrote it was because, look, I talked to coaches. I talked to front office people. I talked to players. They were, it was on, some of it was on and off the record. This is before I did the story. You know, and people even give me unsolicited, you know, uh, opinions on Daniel Jones. And these guys really do. I'm telling you, I wouldn't have written the story if I didn't believe it. But these guys really think he's going to be a high-level quarterback. And the reason is he has, he's a smart guy. He's very likable. He works his butt off. Like, he's a leader. He has all the physical tools. He throws the ball pretty well. He's athletic, right? He's big. And they're saying to themselves, the guys that know him and see him work every day, they're saying, how do you have all this going for you? And how could, and how could you not be good? Once we get the right pieces around him, right. once we're able to protect him, like he's going to be a quality quarterback. And they really do believe that. Now, like you said, we haven't seen that happen. He didn't have any weapons. He played with nobody last year, a horrible offensive line, and he didn't have a running back either because Saquon was hurt. So he really had nothing. Now, he yeah. did make some gains. Like, the, the turnovers is the problem, right? That's what I was going to say. You talk 11... about protecting him, and he has to protect the ball, though. Yes. Look, there's no excuse that he should never. The fumble in the opener is a bad fumble. You shouldn't be doing that in year three. That's the one question there is really about him. And Dan Orlovsky pointed points it out to me when I, when I talked to him about it. And he said, you know, when, when it says time is and he's under pressure and it comes time to, you know, make a decision or make a quick decision under pressure – you can't panic, and he's shown that he, 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 he's panicked in those situations, and that, that's what you, you say. You know, the opener, he has the key costly fumble in the third quarter. They're down 20-7. to seven. It's, He's just outside the red zone. He runs the ball like it's first down. Like, you don't have to take a right. huge risk there. You can run out of bounds. You can run to the sideline. You can slide. You don't need to dive head first for the extra two yards and fumble in that spot. And that, that is the real concern, and we'll, we'll see. He's got to get he's got to stop doing that, or or everyone's right. He won't be a starting quarterback in the league, and I look like the idiot who was too bullish <laughs> on Daniel Jones for too long. Jordan Renan is with me here, solo Spain, Spain and Fitz, our ESPN Giants reporter. Only got about two minutes left, so speed round here. What is the most important Let's thing go. the Giants need to do to get the win tonight against the Washington football team? If they don't run the ball, they don't have a chance. They can't stop Chase Young and Montez Sweat. Their offensive tackles are a problem. They, they, they'd be in huge. They, they, Daniel Jones will, will get killed if they don't. If they're not able to run the ball, is the criticism of Jason Garrett as being the biggest problem on this team accurate? It's definitely up there. You have to can put it in consideration. Uh, the offense looks way too similar to last year. I'm willing to give it a little bit more time because, like we said. There still wasn't a full strength Kadarius, Tony, Saquon Barkley, and Kenny Galladay. But if it's, you want me to rank my list of concerns, it's right near the top. Jordan Renan is with us here, ESPN Giants reporter. Um, how long do they give this group of people? Is this it this season? And what would they have to do this season in order for Gettleman, you know, Jones, everybody to still be in their position? It is their last hurrah because if they do have another losing season and they're not good, Dave Gettleman can't possibly be around. You can't win 20 
you can't win 20 games in four years as a general manager and still keep your job. And once there's a new general manager, then the new general manager says, gets to you know, evaluate the talent and say, hey, do I want to stick with this quarterback? Do I want to stick with this guy? Was this a good signing? And, and so, yeah, this, is, this group, with the way it looks now, this is their one chance to, uh, to have a good year. That's it. And new GM would also say, do I want Joe Judge? So there's another person whose job is on the True. line for they this season. They have a pretty big separation, though, between uh, front office and coach in the, or- the way the organization is set up. So I- I'm not so sure about that. It would have to be a bad year. Really bad. Really bad. Well, it might be. We'll start to find out more tonight as they take on the Washington football team. Jordan, thanks for the time. Go listen to some Doors. Get hyped up for the game. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the way to do it. Go listen to Doors. <laughs> Jordan giving you the straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. Next, we'll get to know more about Taylor Heineke coming up. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Six. Six is the number of quarterbacks, different quarterbacks, who have started for Washington in the team's last six games against the Giants. Heineke will be the sixth tonight, looking to earn a win for the first time during his very short career as a starter. Does he have a shot with this Washington defense booing him or Daniel Jones and the Giants going to pick up a W? It's Spain and Fitz. Solo Spain tonight on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear hotline, including our next guest from the Washington Post, columnist Jerry Brewer. Jerry, let's start there. What an interesting matchup this is. It has not gone well for Washington the last couple times. New York and Washington uh, Giants won twice last season. I believe four in a row, maybe five in a row for New York against the Washington football team. But this is their sixth different quarterback in these matchups. Unbelievable. Yeah, every time, Sarah, they, they, they face the Giants, it's a little bit of a disaster. Uh, you know, I, I can't believe that this particular version of the rebuilding Giants have had such a great run against Washington. It's not like Washington is great or anything, but it always seems like they play the Giants right right after a catastrophe, and here we are again. Right. So tell us what to expect from Heineke. What we're hearing from the people around him is that he's a very confident player, very tough, good at prepping for games, willing to now, more so than before, take deep shots and protect himself, go through those progressions. But we're hearing about a developed quarterback who, since we last saw him, is, is much improved. Is there evidence or is that maybe wishful thinking from those around him? I think he's much improved, but it's... Uh... You know, to to what extent? You know, I mean, are we talking about a guy who can be kind of like a mid-level starter for six or eight weeks? Or are we talking about a low-end type of starter? Uh, that remains to be seen. There's a little bit of a gunslinger in him that I think you'll see uh, him be more aggressive this year. He definitely can move, and I think that's going to be uh, beneficial to this offense. But they really uh, – one one of the reasons that they liked Ryan Fitzpatrick so much is that he will throw into tight windows uh, and not and not erratically like Dwayne Haskins did, <laughs> uh, and, and so they're hoping to get that same thing out of out of Heineke. You know, when, when the throw is there, you know, give guys like Terry McLaurin a chance to really be a playmaker, but don't turn the ball over multiple times a game, <laughs> and that's a really tough balance for a young quarterback. I'm interested to see what he does against a defense that's not very good. Uh, if he doesn't come out and at least play a functional game tonight, they're in big trouble. 
Spain and Fitz. We're talking to Washington Post columnist Jerry Brewer about tonight's Thursday night football matchup between the Washington football team and the Giants. Do we have any indication? You mentioned Scary Terry. He's a friend of the show. We love him over here. If that's one of Heineke's guys, are there guys that you expect to see him have a better relationship or more chemistry with? Well, definitely has a great chemistry with, with Terry already. We've seen that in, in limited doses. Uh, he, he's confident in him. Uh, it was just a tremendous throw that he made to him uh, last week, and and I believe I believe they connected on, on all of all of Terry's um, four receptions. Uh, Terry McLaurin is, I mean. If he were on one of the better teams in the NFL, I think we would be talking about him as a right. top six, seven, eight receiver in the game. Uh, I believe that he's got the potential to lead the league in receptions and receiving yards one day. Not with this quarterback, but what he's been able to accomplish with their revolving door of quarterbacks the past few seasons is pretty incredible. And they absolutely got to get the ball to him. They got to get the ball to Logan Davis as well. And look out for a guy like like Cam Sims to possibly have an impact, maybe maybe make three or four plays in this game. You know, Jerry, part of the reason we maybe don't talk about Terry as much is because we have a lot of focus on this really excellent Washington football team defense that wasn't very excellent last week. What do we expect to see tonight? Well, they better play angry. And they better start covering some people, Sarah. I mean, we, we know how good they can be up front, and we know how good they have to be up front with all of those first-round picks and with Chase Young really being a, a game-changing type of talent, you know, someone that you're going to have to play extra attention to make sure that he's blocked, which frees it up for everyone else. But it was interesting to see what a quarterback like Justin Herbert and – what an offense like the Chargers did to them. They said, you know what? We're just going to take the middle of the field. You guys don't cover that well. We're just going to throw short passes, short and intermediate, not going to try to do too much, and we're going to see if you can cover, and we're going to see if you can tackle. And for one week, they were not good at that. And they really have to be rangier uh, at the linebacker level and for everyone back there, defensive backs and linebackers, they got to be a lot stickier in coverage, regardless of what scheme they're playing. They have to be a lot stickier because they have to make those short attempts a lot harder to complete because we know after seeing that, that Jason Garrett and Daniel Jones are going to test them the same way that the Chargers did. And if you're able to turn these games that were seven, eight, nine yards into three and four yards, uh, the Giants will have to get out of that really quickly. But if you continue to show that hole, they're going to exploit that and they're going to do it over and over again, and that's going to mitigate what your pass rush is able to do up front. Spain and Fitz, solo Spain tonight on ESPN Radio. Washington Post columnist Jerry Brewer with me here on the Goodyear Hotline. You know, I'm um, – trying to figure out if I can read between any of what Ron Rivera has said in his pressers because there was a great Mike Silver column that said right after their week one loss, he said to the guys, guys, really just one one thing that kept us from getting a win. I liked what I saw up there. And then he watched the film and he came back the next day and said, never mind, there were so many things that we didn't do right. I'm actually furious we sucked. Has he let on what the biggest <laughs> concerns were and what he was so angry about once he actually had time to check the tape? Yeah, I think uh, everything with Ron comes back to to what he said day one. He needs this team to be more mature. They are mm. still one of the younger teams 
in the NFL. And I think the defense in particular, the fourth youngest defense in the NFL. Um, and as good as they were, I mean, set, you know, second in total defense last year, they're still not what you would call elite. You know, an elite defense is going to be able to go out there and perform, whether it's Aaron Rodgers or Daniel Jones, they're, they're going to perform at a high level. And, and we didn't see them play against a lot of great quarterbacks a year ago, but the numbers speak for themselves. We, we can tell that they're really good, but are they the kind of defense that can carry a team for an entire season? We haven't seen that. And I think what he saw when he looked back at the film was they gave a great effort, but guys were out of position. Um, there, there was no, there was no um, integrity in terms of assignments. Everybody was trying to do too much and trying to make the home run play. They have to realize that those big plays will come if they're in the right spot. And this is an, this is an interesting defense, Sarah, because it's got all of these high draft picks. So they've got all of this ability. And so doing the hard things, you know, in terms of explosiveness and all of those things is not difficult for this defense. It's always those simple things. They need guys to play their roles better and they need to cover better. And we'll see if, if the message is received. Um, he's looking at it as maturity. I look at it as they, they got a few missing pieces. That linebacker, I think they have to be a little – a little smarter at the safety level as well um, for them to truly be the dominant defense that they want to be. Uh, but Rivera, he wanted to light a fire under these guys, and he wanted to show, like, I, I, I have expectations that you can be as good as my Carolina Panthers defense was. Uh, I think they got a couple years to go there before they get to that level, but we'll see if he can speed that up a bit. Well, if I were members of that Washington football team defense, I would be licking my chops at the opportunity to face a Daniel Jones who has 40 turnovers and 22 interceptions, 18 fumbles lost out of 28 career games, and an offensive line like that of the Giants. They are hoping to make good on what they couldn't do last week tonight. Thanks so much for the insight, Jerry. Appreciate it. All right, anytime. Washington Post columnist Jerry Brewer with us here on Spain and Fitz Solo Spain tonight. As the NFL season gets underway, make sure you're ready for kickoff with TuneIn, the app that lets you listen to live games, in-depth analysis, and tailored content for your team all season long. Plus, with ESPN Radio on TuneIn, you can listen to comprehensive football coverage from NFL Live, Fantasy Focus Football, and more, all to fuel your football fandom. Download the TuneIn app today to start listening everywhere you go. That is legit. I use TuneIn all the time. Coming up next, you guys are chiming in with the bands you'd like to see. The QBs in the worst position. And we'll check in on the Chiefs-Ravens matchup everyone's talking about. It's next on Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. A lot of you very wisely selecting Metallica as the band you most would have liked to have seen in their prime. Yeah, this, this live, that would have been pretty baller. I think my sister went. She, she was really into Metallica. She had that whole live bleep binge and purge like multiple like 10 album or whatever it was this was uh this would have been a good one you guys came through with a lot i'll get to a couple more of those and the poll question about which quarterback in the nfl is in the worst situation coming up in a second here spain and fitz solo spain tonight on espn radio the espn app sirius xm channel 80 were presented by progressive insurance and first, I want to get into a little conversation about Chiefs Ravens. You know, I mentioned this to Mina Kimes earlier on the show, but we love to do this thing where we talk about two quarterbacks facing off as if they're ever on the field together. They're not even on the field together, not to mention competing in a meaningful way 
whether that's an arm wrestling competition, a fist fight, a game of patty cake, but we still do this. It was like, remember last year, it, it was meaningful that Tom Brady's Buccaneers had beaten three incredible quarterbacks en route to their Super Bowl win, but they kept lining it up like Tom Brady had outplayed each of those guys, even though there was a game where, if I remember correctly, he had three interceptions. His team bailed him out, but we do that anyway. And Lamar Jackson, for one, is not here for it. Here's what he said about how this isn't about him and Patrick Mahomes. It's not about, you know, me and Mahomes, not to me, you know, probably to everyone else, but, you know, it's the Ravens versus Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they did beat us, you know, three times or whatever, but that's in the past. But I'm not dwelling on those losses. You know, we, we come a Sunday night and we're going to play. Yeah, he does know the number of times, though. Not that three is a lot, but he is 30-5 and five against the rest of the league is Lamar Jackson, 0-3 against Mahomes. And you know that sticks in his craw a little bit. Sammy Watkins, who was with Baltimore, I'm sorry, was with the Chiefs and now is with Baltimore, said Lamar might be fibbing a little. He said, I think those guys definitely view it that way. You can say you're not, but the world is watching two of the best, youngest MVPs in the league and very talented guys. I'm definitely looking at it that way. Like, man, Lamar needs to win. Sammy Watkins also said he has no problem being a snitch. He says he's ready to be a resource for Wink Martindale on that defensive side after spending three seasons with the Chiefs. He said... Snitch or no snitch, whatever I could give him, I'm willing to help. Orlando Brown Jr. was just traded this offseason from the Ravens to Kansas City. I don't know whether he's willing to be a snitch, but maybe he could be a resource as well. The Chiefs are not a team that you hold it against Lamar Jackson that he can't individually beat Mahomes in a matchup. They have not lost in the month of September since 2016. Mahomes 11-0 in September as a starter. 35 touchdown passes, no interceptions in those games. Right? The Ravens are going to be home Sunday night, but the Chiefs have won 11 straight regular season road victories. So again, we cannot hold this against Lamar Jackson if his team is incapable of beating Mahomes' team, but we will. I prefer the way Dominique Foxworth talked about this matchup on Get Up. But the tough thing about the Ravens is you kind of want to be in midseason form as a team. But they're in midseason form as far as health is concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. they've had a season's yeah. worth of injuries before game one. And then after game one, it's gotten even worse. And the most important thing for that team is their secondary. And having issues in the secondary, we saw that was the reason that I felt like, aside from some issues, uh, some errors that they made, some mistakes, the fact that their secondary was not at full strength without Jimmy Smith, without Marcus Peters, that was the reason why they struggled. And if they can't figure that out, it's going to be a long season. Yeah, I mean, we could talk about Mahomes and Lamar, and that's exciting, and that's what we do around here. We love our quarterbacks, but we need to address all the other things going on with the Ravens before we can say that this has anything to do with Lamar. If he he has a terrible game and he throws the ball away a bunch of times, all right, we can get into it. But this is about facing a Chiefs team that I'm not picking anyone against at least for now, while they look as good as they have the last couple years. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Asked you guys a couple questions at the start of the show, and one of them was based on something Dan Orlovsky said today. As we are talking about Thursday Night Football, which is getting underway any second here, Washington football team versus the Giants. He said that he believes that Daniel Jones is, quote, in the worst situation in the NFL when it comes to quarterback play. So I asked if you guys agreed. A couple of you chimed in. At CountryWolf73, joined the Spain and Fitch Nation, hit me up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed and said, no, any quarterback that ever plays for the Chicago Bears. Okay, I want to disagree with you, but you're right. Not a great position, at least thus far. 
hoping that that gets disproved this year. At the Fatty Scott said Trevor Lawrence. Urban has no clue. Uber talent in a terrible franchise with an in over his head coach. Daniel Jones is just a bad quarterback. Bill Walsh, Vince Lombardi, and Dante Coriel, I, I think that's what he was saying, combined aren't reclaiming that mess. Well, it's a little bit harsh, but possibly true. We'll find out. A couple more starts from Daniel Jones. And the jury's to be pretty much out or in on that one. Uh, at Rick Dryden says maybe Lamar Jackson due to being seemingly the only healthy player on the offense. Good point there. Um, at Monsters Vink said it's a bold take, but Aaron Rodgers, because expectations are so high there and there's clearly a rift, especially after the coaching decision in the NFC title game. So, yeah, I don't think Aaron Rodgers, his, his legacy is very secure, but I do think there are many eyeballs on him, and he's in a tough situation because they're ready to move on to Daniel uh, to, to uh, Jordan Love no matter what he does. And if they have another outing like they did week one, a lot of conversation about that. Um, at 86K, 400 seconds said, at least it's a complete rebuild in Jacksonville. Lawrence's spot, not that bad. Terod Taylor's doing what a veteran backup does in Houston. Wilson is God-anointed in New York. Danny Dimes is on an island without a Wilson to call friend. Hashtag castaway. That is a Tom Hanks reference. Yeah, Danny Dimes, that is part of it. It's, he's part of a mess of people that are all on their last stop in New York. They're all one bad season away from a massive rebuild, and he's sort of expected to put a bunch of it on his shoulders with a still ailing Saquon Barkley and everything else. Um, but Rob Thomas, 725, said Jones has a solid wide receiver core. He's got a mismatched tight end in Engram. He's got an elite running back, a top five pick, a left tackle. There are question marks along the O-line, but compared to a guy like Jared Goff, he's living the good life. Always good to remember whoever the quarterback for the Detroit Lions is. Sadly, much like the Bears, that's always a good one to throw in when you're talking bad quarterback situations. Even when you got weapons and everything else, you always end up feeling like you're coming from behind, which is partly why Matt Stafford, I believe, has the most fourth-quarter comebacks of any quarterback in the league all those years with Detroit. Trying to make those comebacks. Solo Spain tonight on ESPN Radio. I also asked you which band or musician you most would have liked to see at their peak. I got a lot of good answers. I'm going to give you a couple of the ones that I totally agree with. Michael Jackson. Also, if you saw him at his peak peak, you probably wouldn't have to feel guilty about it because I don't think we knew much about him then. He was just really talented at the time. Fleetwood Mac. Bowie. Bowie would have been insane. ACDC. Bob Marley and the Whalers live somewhere on a beach. That would have been incredible. Motley Crue, I have seen recently. I even saw the drum coaster, but well past their prime. Public Enemy. By the way, I think just named the second best song in history from uh, Rolling Stone, Fight the Power. Uh, Nirvana, The Who. Rolling Stones, I saw recently still crushed, but they're like 100 years old, so I can only imagine at their peak. Tom Petty, I saw right before he passed. Soundgarden, Rage Against the Machine. The Beatles, Jimi Hendrix. Elvis, B-52s, Amy Winehouse, The Clash, Beastie Boys, The Doors, The Who, Prince, lots of Prince. Johnny Cash would be good. There's a bunch of them. Now all I want to do is go back and listen to music. Coming up, a historic hire in the NBA. We'll get to it next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. In the world of men's professional sports, many women are breaking through and making their mark. They're not going to be looking at him sideways. The reason why I take so much objection He is that. literally running with the entire team. The NBA is actually facing backlash on both sides. Their stories are told here on Spain and Fitz. Time for this edition of Game Changers. 
So excited to have joining me now on the Goodyear Hotline, Lisa Byington, the new TV play-by-play announcer for the Milwaukee Bucks on Valley Sports Wisconsin, making her the first woman to handle full-time TV play-by-play duties for a major men's professional sports team. She told me in the break that she's already got as many text messages as Giannis post-championship, trying to go through all the congratulations. Uh, let's just start there. Who's I saw a, t- a tweet from Billie Jean King. Can you top that as far as excitement when it comes to someone sending you congrats? Nope, that's where it starts and finishes. And um, so it's funny, Sarah, because uh, the good thing about technology is you can turn it on and off, right? Right. And so I've, I've tried to turn off my phone, and I really have not paid attention. I mean, the text and the emails you can't really escape from, but I've really kind of shut out social media because it just it, it totally became overwhelming until I started getting a couple messages from friends, and, and they sent me Billie Jean King's tweet, and they said, you might want to check this one out <laughs> so unbelievable. I looked at it and it's, it is unbelievable I looked at it and you have one of those where you just have to catch your breath moment and and that was certainly it and when I have talked about like and you've lived it too where you talk about the continuum of progress right and you and you never want to think that you are the start and finish the story because you're not but when you think about like the pioneers and, and, and Billie Jean King is, is, is one of those, for her to connect with me in that manner, it was unbelievable. And, and, and that was a moment for me when time just stopped still for a second. I just had to process all of that. Lisa Byington here with me on Spain and Fitz, the full-time first female TV play-by-play announcer for a major men's professional sports team. But it's not your first first. You were the first woman to call NCAA men's basketball tournament games in March. You were uh, the first woman play-by-play broadcaster for a Big Ten Network college football game. You've done it all. Soccer, um, every network. You also were an athlete yourself playing basketball and soccer at Northwestern. It feels to me like there's this been just growth day by day, year by year, where you're picking up accolades, picking up experience. If I had told you a year ago that this job was going to happen, this particular opportunity, would you have believed it? I don't think so. And and, and you know what? Isn't that sad? Because right. Because everybody should project themselves. The, the, the NBA, professional sports, you have, no matter what league you're talking about, men's or women's, like – I feel like, I mean, everyone should project to, to be able to be a part of the best of the best, right? And, um, and it, it probably wouldn't have been something that had been on my radar a year before. I, I think the NCAA tournament opportunity sort of opened my eyes to what is possible. And, and everyone, you know, mentions, well, you did this first, and you did this first. And, and, and Sarah, you don't chase history. Sometimes history finds you. Hmm. And, and, and sometimes people recognize something in you that you might not recognize in yourself. And, and with some of these opportunities that I've had, there's always had to be people who kind of open those doors for me. And, um, and then, you know, when, when the idea of, hey, you know what, this Bucks job is going to be opened up. And uh, what, let's go for it. And, and so we did. And, and I give credit to, uh, to my agent, um, Gideon Cohen. I have to give him a shout out and Excel Sports because they're the ones that, that planted that seed and opened the door initially for me for this. 
So many uh, great thoughts in there, but one of them, especially for me, that rings true is that idea that we should be able to project out the biggest and the greatest and the best. And I feel like so often, particularly for women in male-dominated fields, that's the most difficult, is we're not supposed to dream too big or get too big for our britches. Everything needs to be a surprise and a delight. And I've been trying more recently to, to project out big goals and big dreams and to and open the door and show other women that that's a possibility, because I think we hold ourselves back way for other people to see it in us and to open those doors, um, which they do, thankfully. Uh, but we also need to start asking for them and 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 doing more of that. It, that's exactly what people have asked me about the Red Stars ownership. And every time I say, "Oh, absolutely, wouldn't have thought it possible," um, and maybe we need to think <laughs> think more things are, are possible <laughs> ahead of time because now here we are, and and not just any team. The reigning champion Milwaukee Bucks are now going to be uh, called by by Lisa Byington. Let's talk about that. Um, I love talking to people when they're entering that new franchise gig or space because how much do you learn about the history? How much do you take that into your call? How much is it just authentically you? What's going to be the balance of I want to make sure these Milwaukee fans know that I'm here for their team and I know the history of this squad versus I don't want to be pandering, you know, spend the whole game talking about cheese curds and such. <laughs> there's a, there's obviously a very delicate balance with that, right? She yes, says and cheese yes. curds have to be maybe it's a lot of deep dish talk in Chicago. We're like, we got it, we got it. We like pizza. Move on. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know, the first thing, and that what I actually already started to do this is, you know, I would hop around different NBA broadcasts anyhow, um, but certainly I paid attention to the the Bucks broadcast. Uh, since the NBA Finals came to a close. And I just really wanted to understand and listen to it with a different ear, with exactly the ear and the eye that you're talking about right now. Like, like if I'm a part of this broadcast, what's, what's been important and what sounds like has been important in previous years? So I am still going to go back and, and listen um, and watch some of the older broadcasts from the, really from the last year and study it that way. I'm going to be at media day. I'm going to be at training camps in a couple weeks. I I really want to start having a personal relationship with the coaching staff and the players and understand who they are. Um, this is who I say that I am as an announcer. You know, I was a, I was a point guard. And so I look at the game from a point guard's eyes. So I'm, I, first of all, first and foremost, I want to talk to Drew Holiday. Everyone thinks, you know, I want to talk to Giannis. Like, I want to talk to Holiday yeah, <laughs> and, sure. and see what he's seeing, what he's feeling. And, and that's how I approach it, you know, from a former point guard's eyes. I was a pass first, shoot second point guard. So I am all about um, being able to lean on my analyst, Marcus Johnson or Steve Novak, whoever might be in that chair. Zora Stevenson is fantastic um, in whatever role they ask her to be. And so I'm going to be looking to dish out more assists to those people than trying to score points. And I'll lean on them because they're the experts. They're an, they're an incredible team. I've heard so many good things about them. And uh, I'm just excited to be a part of their team. So I'm going to really kind of follow their lead um, probably a lot during this first year. Lisa Byington is with me here for Game Changers on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain on ESPN Radio. Lisa, oftentimes during the Game Changers, I ask people, what did they do to get here? And I think, you know, your path and all the different work you've done is fairly well known. I do want to know if there's been a hiccup, if there's been someone in your way. I think sometimes people coming up, if they don't hear the stories of failure as much as success, then they consider the the, the dilemmas or the, the obstacles that they face as potentially being game changers or enders for them, not realizing that so many of us had to go through that too. So can you pinpoint a moment where maybe you thought, oh, I'm not going to make it or where someone stood in your way and you had to learn to go around them? 
Yeah, how long is the show? <laughs> <laughs> Thank God! Whenever they say, oh, you know, everyone's been so nice. I'm like, maybe it's me then. What have I been doing wrong? <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, when I was, actually, when I was first applying for jobs, when I first got out of school, and uh, everybody thinks that they're ready for the national network, right? So I'm applying for all these jobs and getting no, 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 no. And um, actually, uh, one news director in Yakima, Washington, I I always remember that. um, He basically told me to get out of the business. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God, send him some flowers, um, will you, this week? Send him some flowers and and sign it. He's a Biden TV (laughs) TV analyst for the Milwaukee Bucks, world champion Milwaukee Bucks. I should have written his name down, but I didn't. Um, you know, there have been times where I have tried to do, and, and I've, I've approached, you know, different bosses at different networks to do men's basketball, to do men's college basketball. And, and I got several no's and not yet. And, uh, okay, maybe we'll give you one, maybe two games. And, um, and so, you know, that was a struggle as well. And so it's, you know, when I was interviewing for this job, it was interesting because I, I'm sitting, you know, we, of course, the interview is via Zoom because that's what we do in 2021. Right. And, and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the faces of really important people at Valley Sports Wisconsin and the Milwaukee Bucks. And they're asking me, how are you going to handle, you know, the attention that you, you will get being the first female in this role? And I said, look, I said, this is nothing new to me. <laughs> You know, we battle this every single day of our lives, the no's, the not yet, the um, you're not good enough because you're a woman, or I don't want to take that step. You know, people don't necessarily verbalize that they don't want to open up that door, but it's pretty obvious they don't want to open up that door. So I said, look, I said, this is my story, and this is what I have become accustomed to because I live this day in, day out, hour in, hour out. So I'm going to throw it back at you. Are you ready for this? Wow. And I think that the fact that they hired me was their answer. I love that. Oh, so fantastic. We are so excited for you. We're so excited to hear you on the call. Spain and Fitz is a proudly Milwaukee Bucks pro uh, show. I always talk about them as my side piece. I'm still a Bulls girl, but they've been they've been on like a long vacation for a while, I guess I'll say. So the Bucks have been keeping me warm in their stead. Uh, but we're looking forward to the season. Thanks so much for making time, Lisa. It is truly an honor, Sarah. I appreciate everything you do and what you stand for and the voice Thank that you. you have. So trust me when I say it's an honor to be on this show. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm headed up to Milwaukee. We'll have some beers after a game this, this season. And cheese curds. I'm serious about that. I'm going to head up to Milwaukee and hang out with Lisa, grab a beer after the game. That's going to be so fun. So excited for her. Coming up next, speaking of excited, tag team back again in the house with me here on Spain and Fitz next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Welcome back to Spain and Fitz solo Spain tonight on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. I am pumped for this, and I know you guys are going to be too because you have been jamming to these guys not only... Years ago, when you first heard, whoop, there it is. But more recently, you have unabashedly and, and just like me without any shame, you have danced and sung along to a Geico commercial repeatedly over and over. And last night, I got to eat Geico ice cream. Yeah, I, I know. I'm going to explain that. DC Glenn and Steve Gibson, a.k.a. Tag Team, are with me here. Stars not only of the music world, but now unbelievable commercial successes, literally 
successes from a commercial. Uh, DC, I got to ask you first about the Geico ad because there are a lot of wonderful songs of my youth that I've heard turned into things like Tide commercials, and I've not really been into it. But for whatever reason, this works. It makes me appreciate the original as much as I like the remix. What did you think when you first got the call from Geico to do this? All right. Uh, before we get started, I got one thing to get off my chest. Okay. Sprinkle! <laughs> yes! All right, yes. now we got that out the way. <laughs> I actually was laying in the bed and got a call from my agent. And my agent was like, DC, you booked a Geico commercial. And I'm an actor and a voice actor, right? And I was like, why are you playing with me in the middle of a pandemic? Right? That's not funny. And she's like, no, DC, they, Geico called me. They want to do a commercial. And I'm like, Okay, she's like, tag team. And I was like, oh, tag team. <laughs> and I went to the tag team hotline, looked at my phone, and there was a message. And what had happened is that uh, Miss Allie from the Martin Agency, who represents, uh, does all the ads for Geico, uh, called me and couldn't find me and went to my IMDB and my actors portal and then called my agent. And my agent called me. Talk about synergy. <laughs> and we made the deal and... It was time to get to work. And so no hesitation. No hesitation because, you know, I'm an actor and I started yeah. preparing. And, you know, at the beginning it was supposed to be soup. There it is. So I'm like, oh, my gosh. Well, <laughs> let me let me go find this Seinfeld episode with the soup Nazi so I can right. get some ideas. <laughs> and then they call me back. They're like, no, 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 no. It's going to be scoop. There it is. And I was like, now we're talking. And it was like, Cause everybody loves ice cream. And then, you know, we just started preparing for it. And, um, you know, went through a couple of iterations of the lyrics, and um, it just it just was kind of seamless because you know we're always ready. We've always been here. We always yeah. do shows. You don't have to get we ready if you stay energy. ready, DC. We know this. Exactly. We know this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, think about it. you. You probably know because we do NBA halftime shows. That's right. NFL halftime shows. That's right. You guys, you guys are ready, but still, I don't know if anyone was ready for this. And tag team is with me here on Spain. If it's Sarah Spain on ESPN Radio. Steve, in your wildest dreams, could you have imagined this commercial becoming what it's become? Uh, not in the wildest dreams, but you know what? When we were on the set, I could feel the chemistry of everybody there, even yeah. the people that were wiping up the floor and the counter, and <laughs> it was it was just a good feel. So I knew something special was going to happen with that commercial. Um, I just didn't think it was what it was, what it is now. So, but it was a good, it was a good vibe on the commercial set. And when it's a good vibe like that, you know, something hot is about to happen. DC Glenn and Steve Gibson with me here on Spain and Fitz tag team. You guys did a ton of good stuff and you've been doing cool stuff around your music ever since. Whoop, there it is. But this is like a second iteration of that kind of fame where you're being, grand marshals for a NASCAR race or playing the Western Conference Finals game, throwing out a first pitch at the White Sox game. Uh, DC, has there been some moment because of this Geico ad that has stood out to you as the most sort of surreal? Yeah, because when they called us for uh, the Washington, uh, the Chicago White Sox, you're throwing out the first pitch. I was like, oh, no, I can't be Fauci. You know, I'll bounce you throughout that first pitch. So I started going to batting cages and started practicing. I got a coach and everything. And three days before we had to throw out the first pitch, I threw out my shoulder. No. It got good. Yes, and I'm, I haven't been right since. I'm in therapy and everything. And it's just like, ah. But 
I threw I, I I just wanted to get the pitch over the plate, and that's what I did. Mission accomplished. Steve, you were there. Is he telling the truth, or is he making it sound better than it was? Uh, no, he got over. He got over. I did too. I didn't practice though. <laughs> I, I'm not. I didn't practice. I just went out there and winged it because I know how to throw a baseball pretty much. <laughs> so uh, yeah. He, yeah, he did it good, though. We both did. What was yeah, the coolest thing for you, Steve? With us. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. What was, what's the coolest been, been for you, the coolest thing been for you with all this uh, sudden renewed popularity? Just uh, just everybody calling me when the commercial comes on. <laughs> all my friends and family and just everybody. Uh, oh, one day I was on the uh, elevator. We had a show in... Uh, Shreveport, Shreveport, Louisiana. And I was on the elevator and I had on my hat and black clothes and a mask. And a guy got on the elevator. It was three guys. They were halfway drunk <laughs> and they got on the elevator and they were kind of wondering about masks. And they were like, do we have to wear masks? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Ask him. And the guys looked at me and he said, Hey, you look like the guy from the commercial. <laughs> I said, I am him. <laughs> and th- yeah, that was one of my greatest uh, right there. That's that, great. was, that was like, came yeah. out of nowhere. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah think- Spain with you here on ESPN Radio, talking to DC Glenn and Steve Gibson of Tag Team. What's up, DC? I just wanted to uh, just put this in. It's, uh, it's such a blessing and a gift to just see the joy yeah. in people's face and see it in their eyes. And, you know, and just just feel that warmth because, you know, it seems like it's what the world needed at the right time. And it just brings such happiness to people. You are the the Ted Lasso of commercials. That's what it is. Every, we all needed yeah. Ted Lasso, and we needed Scoop. There it is uh, to, yeah, to yeah. arrive. And it just worked out well. It just worked, yeah. it just worked out better. It really did. Ever um, yeah. Well, in addition to the ad running a ton, you know, NBA All-Star, March Madness, it started to go away. People started clamoring, asking for it again. It started coming back during the Olympics. Now they've taken it a step further, and this ad and you guys are, are an ice cream. So there's an ice cream manufacturer, a guy, uh, Mikey Likes It Ice Cream, and you guys combined with him for a Scoop There It Is flavor, which I happened to have tasted last night. It was all, of course, part of the show research, and it's delicious. You can actually win a pint of it. It's not for sale in stores. Uh, you have to follow Geico, uh, Geico on TikTok or IG. You have to create an ice cream dance with the Scoop There It Is audio track and then mention at Geico and then use the hashtags, hashtag Geico ice cream, hashtag sweepstakes. You can win a pint. Again, if you go to the Geico handles, you'll be able to find out how to enter. It's delicious. And honestly, when are you ever going to have the chance to have tag team Scoop There It Is ice cream if you don't win the contest? Guys, before I let you go, I, of course, have to ask if you'll give us one quick little rendition of the song. Uh, well, I don't even remember how it goes. How's it go, Steve? Ah, uh, oh yeah, ah, uh, fresh <laughs> vanilla, Rocky Road, chocolate peanut butter cookie dough. Scoop, there it is. Scoop, Sprinkles! there it is. Chocolaka, 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 scooper, chocolaka, chocolaka, Nice, nice. I, I can't believe you forgot it already. I mean, yeah, you guys have been, no, you guys have no, been eating too much ice cream. We, we are so busy. We are That's so right. busy that sometimes your brain just stops. No worries. And, you know, this, this is our week to rest. 
before it just go. gets really crazy with the ice cream lunch. So that's right. Well, me. good luck. Good luck with the ice cream launch. Thank you so much for coming on. Congrats on all the success. It's been so fun for everyone and fun to see you guys making the rounds and bringing that joy to people. So uh, have have a great weekend and thanks so much for stopping by. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.